Welcome to weekly messages from the pulpit of Graceway Baptist Church on Capitol Hill. Find out more at gracewaydc.com. Pastor Brad Wells is back with another way that Jesus is the reason for the season. Not only does Jesus offer great joy and calm our fears, but he also makes peace possible. This peace was promised thousands of years before Christ, then it was postponed when man rejected Christ. And yet peace today is still possible for individuals that trust in Christ and live for him. Here's Pastor Brad Wells with a Christmas message called Peace on Earth. Turn with me to the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 9. We're going to be talking uh, a little bit more about uh, how Jesus is the reason for the season. And we are going to develop uh, our third sermon in this little micro Christmas series here. We talked about fear. We talked about uh, Christ overcoming fear and then joy last week. Today, we're talking about the word peace. As a matter of fact, for thousands of years, the greeting in the Holy Land is shalom. And shalom means when people greet each other, it means hi, hello uh, on a surface level, but it means peace. As a matter of fact, more than just peace, it means wholeness. It means completeness, balance, well-being. When you say shalom to somebody, it, it means I hope that you reach your potential. It means all that is good in you. It means, might you enjoy satisfaction? So turn to somebody and greet them with that Middle Eastern uh, word. Shalom. Shalom. Yeah, shalom. Isaiah chapter 9 and verse number 6 is the great prophecy, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. By the way, we'll develop that a little bit later on. Why is it stated in two different ways as a child and a son? And the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and here's our subject, the Prince of Peace. One of the wonderful names of our Messiah is the Prince of Peace. Last week, one of our uh, little uh, little ladies that have now went over to the junior church asked my wife, why is Jesus called both the King of Kings and the Prince of Peace? And the really the short answer is this, a king is over a kingdom and a prince is over a principality. And Jesus Christ fulfills both of those things uh, as King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and he is the Prince of Peace. That is the principality that we're talking about that is within the kingdom that God rules over is the kingdom of peace. And he is the one that rules over it. He is the Prince of Peace. And oftentimes when we talk about uh, uh, peace and this kingdom that he rules over, it almost sounds like a fairy tale, something that could never come true. Um, Capitol Hill is the place where all these great leaders come and, and they talk and they have peace treaties and they set this up and that up and, and all these different things. The unfortunate truth is 
that those things are broken over and over and over again. Today, I want to give you three points. There's a little bit of a, a outline help on the back of your bulletin. If you would like that, that might help you. The first little thought I want to give you is peace is promised. Peace is promised by God. And it is not just um, a wishful thinking. It is a true, physical, earthly promise that peace would be given. And that peace is speaking of world peace. It is much more than uh, the hippies did uh, back in the day uh, when they they said, peace, brother, and all this sort of stuff. And uh, much more than the almost sarcastic greeting that people would say to one one another, uh, a peace out, I'm leaving, and all these sort of things. It is not the absence of enemies uh, or of conflict. It is not just ignoring problems um, with just some sort of uh, I don't care attitude. I'm going to turn off the news. I'm not going to pay attention to this, that, and the other thing. It is not the numbing of our senses, either with diversion or with drugs. It is not the attempt of making our enemies allies with some sort of uh, uh, financial uh, coercion. This is... um, This is not a new thing. In the time of Jesus, uh, the Roman Empire had dominated every other kingdom, and they had created peace uh, just with might and force and just crushing any opposition. Um, It is not what a weaker country would try to to try to get because just submitting and complying with anything will do whatever you say, peace at any cost. It's not a truce. It's not tranquility. Peace, real world peace, where it is win, 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 win for everybody is promised. Not this person's going to dominate and everybody has to cower. It is True world peace, better than anybody could expect. The true definition of utopia. In Luke chapter 2, you're in Isaiah 9. Now, I want to connect this to Luke chapter 2. Peace is promised. Luke chapter 2, verses 9 through 14, is the proclamation of the angels. And this peace is what they proclaimed. As you're turning there, just... Turn to your neighbor and say, give peace a chance. Give peace a chance. Come on, give peace. (laughs) And here's the Christmas story as announced um, the night of the birth of Christ. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, that is the shepherds, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. When angels appeared, um, there was fear immediately in the hearts and minds of whoever was there. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. We developed that um, the other week. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes. Now that wouldn't be a sign to anybody but it was assigned to them because they wrapped the newborn lambs, the sacrificial lambs, in swaddling clothes. It's assigned to you, shepherds. You'll find this babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. 
And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, let's say it together, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And that is our subject. It was, it was truly promised and it was proclaimed here by these angels. Uh, we are not wrong to think that God wants to bring world peace. That's exactly what he wanted. We read in Isaiah chapter nine and verse number seven, uh, verse number six about his name, the Messiah's name being the Prince of Peace. He is the King of Kings, but he is also reigning over, uh, ruling over the principality of peace. Who is the one that's in charge of peace? Well, it's the prince of peace. But I want to show you the next verse after verse number six, and of course that's seven, of the increase of his government. This is a political statement. This is a, a physical kingdom. There are two kingdoms that the Bible speaks of. It's called the kingdom of heaven, which is the physical, literal kingdom and the kingdom of God, which is within us. And I'll show you that in a second. Of the increase of his government, and what's the word? Peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom. Now, was David's kingdom a spiritual kingdom or was it a physical kingdom? It's a physical kingdom. Matter of fact, Unless the Bible said David had a heart after the Lord or heart after God, a man after God's own heart, you wouldn't really think that. He, he did a lot of things that we would be like, well, maybe David needs to be impeached. But God said, no, no, he's the right guy. And upon his kingdom to order it and to uh, establish it uh, with judgment and with justice from henceforth, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. So it's proclaimed by angels and it is promised by Isaiah. He promised this peace. It is a physical, it is a literal peace throughout the world. Now, Isaiah spoke more about this. Well, actually just preceding this in chapter two and verse number four, it says, and he shall judge among the nations. That is the Messiah, the Messiah, the one that has been promised all the way from Genesis chapter three in the garden at the fall of Adam and Eve. He, that is the Messiah, the one to rescue, shall judge among the nations and shall rebuke many people and they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks and nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. Now this is a prophecy given of Isaiah about the Messiah, that he is going to come in physical might and power and establish peace throughout the world. Now, actually, uh, the portion, a portion of this verse is on a monument outside, uh, up in New York, outside of the United Nations. And it is right there on display. Uh, it's, it's speaking of peace is possible. But we need this guy. This guy that can judge among the nations. We're still looking for this guy. So the, the angels uh, proclaimed it. Isaiah, he promised it. Uh, he goes on further to describe it in chapter 11. In verse number six, the wolf also shall dwell with the lamb. So not over just the kingdom of men and the nations, but this is the animal kingdom. 
wolf and the lamb and the leopard shall lie down with the kid and the calf and the young lion and the fatling together and the little child shall lead them. That is the uh, carnivorous ways of these of these beasts and the aggression will be taken away. So much so that a child would not be in danger around these beasts that are named. So something very special, something very unique is promised by Isaiah. And I believe it, and I think we should take it literally. And all the people of God throughout the ages have taken it very, very literally, and they're looking with hope and awe for that Messiah. Micah also repeated it. He brings it in and he repeats after what Isaiah said, very similar in chapter four and verses three and four. And he shall judge among many people and rebuke strong nations afar off. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares. That is, those weapons of destruction will be changed into something of productivity. And their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation. Neither shall they learn war anymore. So a question, has this happened? No, this, this hasn't happened. Uh, do you think uh, United Nations is going to get their act together and we're going to have this happen? And wow. Verse number four. But they shall sit every man under his vine and under his fig tree and none shall make them afraid for the mouth of the Lord of hosts have spoken it. So don't think that uh, world peace is just a, you know, a, uh, a desire of the hippies back in the 60s. No, a world peace is something that has been spoken of for thousands of years and with good cause because God promised it. God promised world peace, probably world peace that we couldn't even imagine, that every individual is not going to be dependent on the big farmer down the way or the, there. you're going to have what you need right where you're at. And nothing is going to make you afraid. This is the kingdom. This is the, this is the design that God had in mind. Those people that would accuse God of being cruel and mean and uh, unrighteous, it, it's, it's not right. It's not true. Because God's plan is that everybody would have enough. There would be no fear. There would be peace and love and joy for all people. And yet the world has not seen more than 300 years. Some historian added up all the wars and all the years of recorded history, almost 6,000 years. And he said there's only been 300 years of peace altogether. And some of those were a bit sketchy. And there were people probably fighting at home. So what happened to the promise? Is, should we just say, well, it didn't, it's, they were just speaking poetically and it, it's not really to be taken literally. Listen, every peace treaty comes with terms. And unfortunately, every peace treaty is broken over and over again. And the Prince of Peace, the Lord Jesus Christ, has set the terms for the world peace treaty. Now, the first peace treaty was offered to the nation of Israel by the Lord Jesus Christ, and they rejected it. 
Now, I am no way speaking against Israel there because um, the representative of the Gentile kingdom, the Roman Empire, the rulers of the world, were the ones that drove the uh, the nails and and um, and whipped his back and and thrust that spear. But I don't really think that it was nails that held the Messiah to the cross. I think it was my sin and yours that executed the Prince of Peace. And so therefore, point number two, peace is postponed. Not only is peace promised, but peace is postponed. And that is this earthly, physical peace. And Jesus was well aware of this d- delay. And in Luke chapter 12 and verse number 49, he said something very strange. He said, I am come to send fire on the earth. And that fire is already started. Well, what is he speaking of? In Matthew 10 and verse number 44, Jesus said this, think not that I am come to send peace on the earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. What happened to the pruning hooks? What's going on here? Think not that I've come to send peace, but a sword. This is an amazing thought that that Jesus Christ realized uh, his rejection. This was actually the thought that was behind the Christmas carol, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. And Tori, if you could help me out here, sir. It was written by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. And that was two years uh, prior to writing his poem in the midst of the uh, the buildup and ramp up of the Civil War. His wife died in, an, in a fire after 18 years of marriage. And in 1863, his eldest son, Charles, joined the Union Army without his blessing, joined up, and he was gone. And that Christmas, uh, Longfellow wrote these words, I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play, and mild and sweet The words repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And thought how as the day had come, the belfries of all Christendom had rolled along the unbroken song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Till ringing, singing on the way, the world revolved from night to day. A voice, a chime, a chant sublime of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Then from each wide accursed mouth, the cannon thundered in the south. And with the sound, the carols drowned of peace on earth, goodwill toward men. It was if an earthquake rent the hearthstones of a continent, and made forlorn the households born of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And in despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Then pealed the bells more loud and deep, 
God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, and right prevail, with peace on earth, good will toward men. Realize this, Longfellow saw the truth. Without the Prince of Peace, there will be no peace on earth. And Christmas time is all about celebrating the coming of the Prince of Peace. Now he came and he presented a legitimate physical kingdom to Israel, but it was rejected. That physical kingdom was rejected. And why? Why no peace when the Prince of Peace was born in Bethlehem? Isaiah 51 and verse number 21 says, There is no peace, saith my God, to the wicked. The wicked get no peace. <laughs> and we have different things like, uh, like that we say all the time. There's no rest for the weary, no rest for the wicked. The Bible says there's no peace for the wicked. You can buy a lot of things with unrighteous money and connections, but you can't buy peace. Now, here's my third point here. Hopefully, everybody's rolling along with me. Earthly peace has been delayed, but point number three, peace is possible. Peace is possible today. And when I say peace is possible, I'm not talking about starting a new political party. I'm not talking about doing some crazy thing, although all of us should be uh, involved in uh, civics as much as possible. But peace that is a spiritual and personal peace is possible today. As a matter of fact, you should not leave this room this afternoon without securing the greatest gift the world can know, peace in your heart. You can leave here today with the peace that is possible. In Luke chapter 17, in verse number 21, and take note of this verse, it says, Behold, the kingdom of God is within you. And Jesus made a very distinct difference between this kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. And there is an internal kingdom where the, the prince of peace can rule in your heart. Three little sub-points here that I want to present. We can have this upward or eternal peace with God. This upward eternal peace with God. This is the objective peace that is often being uh, spoken of when we speak of salvation. Romans chapter 5 speaks of this in verse number 1, and it says this, therefore being justified. And justified is a legal term that uh, theologians would use as just as if I had never sinned. I've, I'm not just forgiven. It's much better than that. It's not a pardon. It's just as if you had never sinned. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have, what's the word? Peace with God. Can a sinner have peace with God? That's what Christmas is all about. Jesus, God's Messiah, came to make peace, to provide the path for peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you have peace with God? 
Can you pillow your head at night and know for sure that if you died, you would enter heaven's gate? Can you think and, and, and put away all the distractions and, and all the elements that seem to mask and hide our inner thoughts? And can you think and realize and know for sure, I am right with God, 100% right with God. Later, Romans, the book of Romans goes on in verse number 10, and it's, it talks about being reconciled to God by the death of the Messiah reconciled to God through that death. In 1 Corinthians chapter number 5 and verse number 18, it speaks of a ministry of reconciliation in 1 Corinthians. In verse 19 and 21, it mentions the word word of reconciliation. See, the Bible is just a love letter. It's a love letter from heaven to earth, from God to you and me. And it says, we can have our sins forgiven. We can have peace on earth with God through Jesus Christ by faith. As a matter of fact, Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 15 speaks of the gospel as the gospel of peace the gospel of peace. Well, how can the gospel be be defined as peaceful when it brings so much tension? The tension is without, in the outside kingdom, but the peace is within with God. See, we can have, you can have, you should have an upward peace with God. Reconciliation, salvation. Have you been saved? Uh, Colossians chapter 1 and verse number 20 says this, and having made, and say it, all right, having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him I say, whether there be things in earth or things in heaven. In other words, the Messiah can reconcile anyone anywhere back to God. He is perfect and he is able to forgive you and I and we can have peace with God through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus was born of a virgin. That is, he did not have the sin nature of Adam and he escaped that a sin nature that is passed down from generation to generation by the Father. And so the prophecy is fulfilled that he would be born of the seed of the woman and, and God would, would come in through the womb, the portal of the womb of a virgin. And, and here God presents uh, the, the Messiah who lived a perfect virtuous life but died a vicarious death for you and me and rose again in victory. I entered into that peace in Colorado when I was six or seven years old, just a little kid. My understanding was not any different than any other six-year-old kid. I came believing. I came with a simple mind of faith. And I took God at his word. And I remember one of the men that was counseling me and talking to me said, can you think of any songs that would speak of, of, of salvation or the love of God? And I remember looking at him thinking, 
I have no idea. What are you talking about? He says, have you ever heard the song, Jesus Loves You? This I know. Oh, yeah, I've heard of that one. And we sang that little song there together. You know what? It's, it's that simple, that God loves you and I, sinners. And I entered into that peace back in that day. Now, I haven't always enjoyed that peace. I actually have waged my own foolish rebel war with God numerous times. And I lose that, that peace. And that's my second little sub-point here. We can have inward emotional peace of God. You can have the inward emotional peace of God. In Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 7, it says this, And the peace of God, which passeth, passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now, this is not speaking of salvation. This is speaking of security. And one of the songs that best describes this is the song, It Is Well With My Soul. Many of you know the background to this song, It Is Well With My Soul. And, um, and a man was, uh, was going to be uh, crossing the Atlantic and um, his wife and, and children were, were going with him. But at the last minute, he couldn't go. And he sent them on ahead. And the ship sank. His wife and children lost at sea. He got a telegram. All lost. He took the same um, journey over. And when they came to the approximate place of the disaster, the captain let him know, this is the place. And they had a moment of silence. And he went and sat and looked out at those waves and took out a pen, began writing, and went back to his cabin and finished writing and wrote that song. When peace, um, like a river, attendeth my way. When sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, Thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Thank you for quoting that. You know, um, you can have that no matter what loss you face. The Christian has what's called peace. Bring that verse back up. Peace that passeth all understanding. Did you lose that verse there? <clears throat> Peace that passeth all understanding, and you can know that with God. Now, this peace cannot be enjoyed if you are not living right with God and fully submitted to the Spirit of God which lives in you. The, the many times that I have wrestled um, and had that peace compromised, it was always with my knowledge. It was always because I chose sin over the right path of the Savior. As a matter of fact, many times I've made my own personal peace with sin. I remember as a teenager, uh, just before we went to New Guinea as missionaries, uh, talking to my parents about how I had peace about 
something. And it was in opposition to the Bible. It was in opposition to God. But I did have peace. I had made peace with that element. But I can tell you now, looking back, I had no peace with God. I had peace with that. And I chose to please others rather than to please the Lord. See, he is the prince of peace, but we must let him rule in the kingdom of our hearts. And if you don't let Christ rule, the prince of peace in your heart, you will have confusion. Colossians chapter three and verse number 15, and let the peace of God, what is it? Rule in your hearts. And rule means authority. Is God ruling with authority in your hearts? And uh, we're called into the unity of the church and, and, and we're, to, we're called to be grateful and thankful to the Lord. So we have an upward in eternal peace with God. We have an inward emotional peace of God. But now number three in our third subpoint here, we can have an outward social peace with others. And this is an amazing thing. And I really want you to tune this in here if you can. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verses 14 through 19, it describes this. It says, to the Christian that is submitted to God in salvation, but is also walking according to the Spirit in submission and obedience, for he is our peace who hath made both one. Both what? What are you talking about? And hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. That is the dividing factor between different people groups. How do we get together? How can we get together and uh, make peace together? It is through Christ. He is our peace. Look at verse 15. It says, having abolished in his flesh, so now we're talking about Jesus, the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace. This peace is in Christ. You can't have peace without the Prince of Peace, and there will be no peace outside of Christ and outside of submission to the Spirit of God. How can two walk together except they be agreed? Well, I'll tell you, my power is going to overpower your power, or I'm going to submit to you and I'm going to cave. But that's not what he's talking about. Agreement is not overpowering and submission. Agreement is unity. We're both people. How does this happen? We agree with the ruler and the leader. That is the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. Look at verse number 16. And that he might reconcile both unto God. Listen, God is interested in everybody. Both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. This word enmity is, is like enemy. It is the very thing that creates and makes en enemies. And that, that enmity is destroyed. It's destroyed how? in the cross. See, God had a higher plan. The cross of the Lord Jesus Christ is God's plan to bring peace into man. Look at verse 17. And came and preached peace to you, which were afar off, and to them that were nigh. So there's some people that are closer 
to God and closer to truth, and there's some that are further off. How many of you were kind of born pretty close to the truth? Pretty close to the truth, all right? How many of you were born far from the truth? You're born far from the truth, okay? Different people? You know what? It doesn't matter. Uh, we still all have to come to the cross, and we still have to anoint the Prince of Peace as ruler in our hearts. Look at verse number 18. And through him, we both have access by one spirit into the, unto the Father. So there's, there's no privilege, there's no prestige, there's one door, and his name is Jesus. And you've got to come through Jesus. Jesus is the way to God. Do you want peace? Do you want to have that, the best feeling in the world? peace, and then it's expressed by joy and followed by love. It's the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, and it's all right in this Christmas season, this Christmas package delivered by God to all of humanity. One more verse, verse number 19. Now, therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but what? fellow citizens with the saints and with the household of God. So we are unified or we are family. How are we brought uh, into this family, into this fellowship? It is the Lord Jesus Christ. My friend, Jesus Christ is the Prince of, Pre of Peace, and that's who we celebrate at Christmas. Do you know that Jesus left you an inheritance? Jesus willed his spirit to the Father. You remember there at the cross, he said, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. And then he willed his mother to John. There on the cross, he's, he's hanging there, and he looks down and he sees Mary and, and John, and he says, he says, Son, behold your mother. Mother, behold your son. In other words, John, take care of Mary. When he died, he went to a borrowed tomb. And so he willed his body to Joseph of Arimathea. It was okay because he only needed, needed it for three days there. But to you and I, your inheritance, listen up, you, you and I, our inheritance is peace. In John 14 and verse number 27, it says this, peace I leave with you. Jesus didn't just leave and take that peace with him. And that's why the disciples were so afraid. This was a time right here that anxiety was, was high. Jesus was about to go to the cross. He sits down at that last supper and he says, I'm going to die and I'm going to go. And where I'm going, you can't come. And everybody's confused. What are you talking about? What about the kingdom? What about the peace? Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You know, the heart of the citizens of the world is troubled, filled with anxiety and fear. And if we were to list the reasons, well, there's a lot of reasons. Ukraine and Russia, North Korea and that, that whole region. 
And then there's all sorts of things we don't even know about. And not to mention things far away, even within our own families, in our own homes. And we're like, oh my goodness, this could happen, that could happen. Jesus is the Prince of Peace, and he left us his peace. Do you have peace with God? Or is there still a war going on in your heart? So in just a minute, we're going to close. But I'm going to ask you to submit to Jesus. Absolute, total, unconditional surrender to the Prince of Peace. And I don't think that's a foolish move. I did it. Numerous others have. See, as a prince, he has fought the battle. And the battle is won. That battle over sin. Sin is not just something that God hates. Sin is anti-God. God can't have sin in his presence. God can't even look towards sin. When Jesus became sin for us or took his sin, our sin upon him on the cross, the Bible says that God turned away. And Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? God can't allow our sin into his presence. There's a true story of the British Admiral Lord Nelson when he had victoriously defeated the French in a specific battle. And they brought that French Admiral over uh, to Lord Nelson's great ship. They brought him on board. And, and of course, the French Admiral was all dressed up and he had his suit and he had his uh, hat and he had his big gleaming sword and had all those things. And he came marching up and he extended his hand out to Lord Nelson to shake his hand and admit defeat. Lord Nelson put his hand behind his back and took a step backward and said, your sword first, not with your sword by your side. He would not accept peace with the French until he removed his sword and laid it at his feet. I think many times we come to God the same way, with our own pride, with our own conditions. I'll surrender this because I want that, but I'm going to hold on to this. God doesn't work that way. You have to come and you have to trust him. Have you laid down your sword of negotiation, your sword of power? Have you laid down your sword of personal ambition? You are not a fool to trust God completely. I have. I have found God everything he claims to be and more. Trust him. My prayer for you this last week leading up to Christmas is that you might find peace with God, that you would know the peace of God and the result then, peace with others all around you. I want you to do today what Lord Nelson told the French Admiral to do. I'm going to ask you to lay your sword at the feet of Jesus and that is to honestly, sincerely, totally, completely submit to the Lord Jesus Christ, full and unconditional surrender. Now, maybe you're saved today. 
And this is a bit more than you thought. It would be a terrifying thing to submit completely to a flawed man. To submit to me, that's too much. To submit to somebody else, that's too far. But not to your maker, not to your creator, not to the Prince of Peace. I know you're like me. You have these little desires and these ambitions and these things. How can I be happy without this? Trust him. Trust God. Only then can you know the full peace that God gives and he purchased at Calvary. Thank you for listening, and we hope you were helped by that message from Pastor Brad Wells. Reach out to us anytime at gracewaydc.com or visit us in person, Sundays at 11, Thursdays at 7. Until next time, this has been Graceway Baptist Church on Capitol Hill, helping you make a difference. Oh,